Welcome to this episode of the Radical RMT podcast. My name is Krista Dix. I am a registered massage therapist in Ottawa, Canada, and I have the pleasure of introducing you to Yvonne Moyer. They are a registered massage therapist in Toronto, Canada, and they are also a professional musician. They most recently toured with the Arkells, and you will learn more in this episode about how they balance these two worlds. Yvonne is also a clinic co-owner and shares a few ideas for effective partnerships and creating an ethical and safe space for patients and practitioners. They explain in this episode how a full schedule actually provides them with more structure and how vital a creative outlet is to their mental health. There are lots of wonderful takeaways in this episode, and I hope you enjoy listening. Yvonne, thanks so much for being a guest on the Radical RMT podcast. Um, You are presently in Costa Rica, um, but you are a massage therapist, registered massage therapist, um, who I contacted. You are normally living in Toronto. Um, What brings you to Costa Rica? Uh, Mostly an opportunity for a little bit of a sabbatical and a a breather from, you know, the day-to-day grind. Um, But an opportunity came up to house it and cats it for a family friend. So just jumped on it, some sort of last minute impulsive decision to take a little break. Wonderful. Um, I mean, last minute impulsive, were you in the middle, like, were you in the middle of like working at the clinic and then this opportunity kind of came up or did you, um, like, was it, did you take time off? It was more so um, a couple of weeks notice sort of before Mm -hmm. everything was really confirmed. So yeah, just last minute in the sense that I didn't give like three months notice to people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and one of the reasons that I did want to contact you that what struck my attention, um, I came across a photo uh, of you standing on stage um, from behind where you're facing the audience wearing an Arkells jacket and you were so you were on stage performing um, and it looked like it might have been like the end the end of the the show and the energy in the photo was was really cool and uh, the whole point of the, the podcast is to really introduce people to that the dynamic lifestyles that we do get to have as a massage therapist and the unique personalities that are behind um, these massage therapists as well. And I, that that's why I wanted to reach out to you. So originally, um, were you were you a professional musician prior to becoming a massage therapist, or did they both kind of coexist? Uh, well. First of all, thank you. I'm very flattered that uh, <laughs> my um, my life has caught your attention. Um, I've been a professional musician, gosh, for over 20 years now. I started my um, professional path in Humber or the jazz performance program at Humber when I was like 18 after I graduated high school. It just seemed like music was going to be my life. I hadn't really been academic. I definitely struggled in school. I didn't um, truly understand what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew that music at the time was my life. So I had been um, a concert promoter and tour manager for my band, some of the local bands in Toronto as well. And um, I just, that was my investment was 
making sure that there was a place for us to play our, you know, kind of bizarre uh, subgenre of music that not a lot of people were interested in. And um, so it was just a natural progression for me to go into music. I, I come from a family of musicians as well. Both my parents have been playing for like 60 years at this point. And uh, I grew up playing in the family band and understanding how to, how to lead in that sense as well. Uh, so for me, uh, music was my everything until I was about 22 or so. And I had uh, co-booked a tour across uh, Canada and the US with another band for three months. And um, after living in a van for that long, you start to turn the wheels of, okay, how do I want to take care of myself, um, maybe have a more steady income, and really just continue to connect with people and help people uh, in a way that isn't as grueling, perhaps. And uh, I just remember I was in a van somewhere in Texas in a parking lot where we were going to sleep for the night, eating a taquito from 7-Eleven, because that was the only thing yeah. that was open for dinner. And I just, I kind of made a, a pros and cons list of uh, what I liked about having freedom as a musician, um, my skill set, and I just sort of came to this idea that I wanted to have a profession that was fluid, mm -hmm. uh, that was creative, that was um, an opportunity to work with people uh, still in a different way. And it wasn't until I returned from tour where I just happened to have a couple of friends over for a catch up one night. And uh, one of my friends was talking about massage therapy school. So again, sort of impulsive to my nature, I just jumped on her idea. And I thought the school that she described was really interesting, having a small class size. Um, but uh, one thing I forgot to mention is when I was at Humber for music, I mean, I'm a baritone sax player. So my instrument weighs about 13 pounds or so. And uh, during my time at school, I was in constant pain. Um, actually, throughout my life, I had chronic pain as a kid up until my mid-20s, I guess. And um, yeah, when I was in school, I was seeing a physiotherapist that was working out of the uh, Western Hospital in Toronto. They have an artist clinic there. So a lot of it is subsidized for musicians, artists, dancers, so they can access care. Okay. And um, my, my treatments were giving me mobility. They mm -hmm. were alleviating not only the emotional, uh, physical pain, but it was giving me this autonomy that mm -hmm. I felt I didn't have um, when I was grinding myself through school. So after some time, uh, and then hearing my friend mention massage therapy school, I just decided that was it. It was like, I wanna help, initially it was musicians and weirdos like yeah. myself. So I wanna help people who have alternative careers uh, be able to function and mm -hmm. uh, just feel good in their in their strange jobs and be able to continue without pain. Yeah. Where did you go to school for massage therapy? I went to a private career college in Toronto or North right. York uh, called Elmcrest. And okay. now it's called Bryan College. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Did when you were looking when you were like when you were making that pros and cons list and you were like, you know, you're a musician, like 
I feel like that was a super mature decision at your, your age. And I mean, you're definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like most musicians, that's, that's the goal is to be a professional mu- musician for the rest of your life, no matter if it does look like living in a van, like they just want to stay true to, to the like art. that, the art. Yes. <laughs> and I'll just, yeah. this is, if this is what it is, great. If I make it big, fine, but I'm just going to keep pushing into this lifestyle. So it was really, you know, really mature um, that you wanted that, that steady income, but did you worry about losing, like losing the, the art as well? No, not at all. I knew no matter what, that I would continue to, to play music, whether it would be um, just more as a social thing with my passion projects uh, or return to studies at some point down the line. But at the time I was working typical jobs that many people who hustle work and, uh, you know, dishwasher, cashier, um, cafe server. So a lot of jobs that were taking up valuable time. So mm-hmm. being up at 5.30 to get to work for 7 a.m. wasn't exactly my ideal. Um, but yeah, I just, I always knew that it was going to be, I'd be having a parallel path. But for me, it wasn't so much like financially driven as it was freedom driven. I didn't want to be stuck in a dish pit. Right. And working so many grueling hours when I wanted to be more involved with just generating a a connection with other people, but Mm. not uh, grinding myself down physically in a way that was so repetitive. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just, for me, it was more essential that I had the time to decide if I wanted to play a gig super late and get home at three o'clock in the morning, not have to be up at 6am to go into my, you know, cafe shift the next morning. So I always had the the goal in mind that music would continue, but Mm -hmm. I needed something that was more concrete that uh, gave me a better sense of purpose. Okay. And when the friend mentioned massage therapy, like were there other things that you were considering as well, or was once you kind of zoned in on that that was that was it that was it yeah Yeah. I'm I'm I've said it a handful of times I'm fairly impulsive but I think I think with my gut because I do Mm -hmm. have a very deep sense of self and it definitely came from you know many years as a a teenager of being um, just autonomous and driven and kind of a bull just this is what I'm going to do I'm going to go do it now um, but for me, yeah, it, it just, once I heard her describe massage therapy school, it made sense to me because I am a caretaker. I am a peacekeeper. I'm a c- compassionate person. Mm-hmm. And again, having that understanding of the the value of touch therapy at, at a fairly young age and how it changed my life, it, it just all clicked into place. Um, I didn't even bother looking into any other programs. Okay. It was like, oh, this is what you decided to do with you your, or sorry with your life and um I trust you and you, your decision making so I'm just going to go for it yeah. and I didn't even bother looking elsewhere great <laughs> did you make the connection early early days that this would be the career that would give you that that freedom that you were looking for once I went to an orientation and heard because I hadn't actually seen a massage therapist prior to going to school for massage therapy it was it was just my physio that would 
use some massage in her uh, treatments. Mm -hmm. But once I went to an orientation and understood what the lifestyle could be like, mm -hmm. that that really sealed it for me. So, um, I mean, again, it is part of my personality where I, I like to self-direct. Yeah. So if I'm I'm planning on doing something with my schedule, I want to have full autonomy over it. Mm -hmm. And that was very appealing to me. Can you describe a little bit about what your life looks like now as a professional musician and as a registered massage therapist, excuse me, and a clinic owner? You said you're impulsive. You have these opportunities that can come up here in Costa Rica right now, house sitting. Like, can you describe a little bit about what, what this life looks like? Absolutely. I'm also um, in the hospitality industry as well. Okay. So my, my partner and I, we just opened up a vintage trailer Airbnb. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, I, I wear a few hats. Yeah. Um, but I mean, initially, when I was in school, I found my stress relief was playing more music. So I ended up joining like three different groups when I was in my massage therapy program. Um, for me, the busier I am, the more structured I am. Yeah. When I don't have a lot on my plate, I'm someone who is very much a procrastinator and I loaf. Yeah. I, I have ADD. I need tasks. I yeah. need things to do. And um, so, yeah, initially in school, when I started playing more music while I was doing my studies, I found that actually helps marry my thought process and help my brain grow and retain a lot of the information that we were learning too. Yeah. And then when I got out of school and started my first um, position, I was working at a spa initially. And then I picked up a few other clinics. So I think I always had like two or three different um, like clinical positions that I was in. And I just really enjoyed that flexibility of, of um, or the stimulation of new environments okay. and different patient bases. But um so, yeah, essentially, after some time working in other environments, I really, truly felt like it was financially driven, which mm -hmm. as someone who had a small business as a content promoter, I knew like, yeah, your expenses are expenses. They're fixed. They're not going to change. Mm -hmm. You need to pay the musicians. You need to make sure the venue has its uh, costs covered, et cetera. So I, I appreciated that point of view, but I also felt like my schedule was being filled without a break here and there or in some scenarios the workload was more uh, like including reception and doing laundry mm -hmm. which was never a problem but the respect from the clinic owner wasn't exactly there mm -hmm. so um my my business partner aaron we met in school and we've actually floated around each other's clinical experiences. So collectively we took in all the information that, you know, we thought was helpful for us to shape how we wanted to move into a practice together at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but for the first five years of my career, I was really just happy in these environments, um, working for other people and not worrying about overhead or management. And it was kind of a nice break for me to not have to like have all my guns a blazing. But at a certain point, um, one of the clinics Aaron and I worked at, we, we just kind of decided like, you know what, there's a better way for us to operate. And I think um, 
we can do it between the two of us. We both had a fair spectrum of experience in customer service or in project management in some capacities, both self-taught, no business experience whatsoever outside of, you know, yeah. our jobs. Yeah. Um, but it just kind of got to that point where things that we needed weren't being delivered. So we decided let's just do it ourselves. Good. And then switching gears into opening a clinic, which was initially just a one treatment room uh, rental out of a yoga studio, actually in the neighborhood I grew up in, um, three doors down from where my parents still live, which okay. is hilarious. Yeah, And um, we just kind of, we took a very calculated risk in opening a business because we did our market research. We realized there wasn't really anything, um, or sorry, there weren't really that many massage clinics in the area and um the initial overhead was something we thought manageable so opened up shop and um within a few months we realized okay we need to expand okay i <laughs> love yeah i love how people. you started small and like you just you know you just bought what you needed at first and then and then i love i love how you just kind of let it grow organically sorry continue it kind of snowballed for yeah. us and um i mean the, the the relationship I have with Erin, she's my best friend. I trust her with my life. She's the person that, um, you know, we both agreed, like, we can do this together. Our personalities are very different, but how we contribute to our business relationship is is yin and yang. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we, we uh, boost each other in what is lacking for the other person in a way. So... Yeah, so we, at this point, we were not really interested in expanding because of the workload, and she was also pregnant at the time, okay. but the uh, yoga studio uh, unfortunately closed, and we had the opportunity to knock down a wall and just build outward, okay. and uh, at this point, we also had a couple RMTs that were um, working in the room with us as well, so we were we were finding that balancing the schedule was awesome. We had more time to take care of the business side of things while the overhead was being covered. And the people that we initially brought into the space were just awesome. And we really got this taste of, I describe it as like building my dream band. Okay. <laughs> like all the people I want to play with in, in one spot, you know, yeah. in, in one um, place. And it was, it was really nice for us to start to branch out and see how different other therapists were working, but how we could be cohesive in our approach of how we like to deliver care. And um, after some time, we really developed our team and started to bring on a little bit more uh, diversity in practitioners. And um, it just kind of went from there. Mm. <laughs> um, you refer to Erin as your boss buddy, obviously, because she's like your best friend. Uh -huh. And I think that that's, um, that's, that's pretty cool. And, um, I mean, another, like, a, did you ever, like, was there a risk involved in, did you like, had to kind of look at each other and like, are you sure you want to do this? Like we're, you know, being the, with the friendship and your very different personalities, did you kind of just trust that it was going to work out, work out and, or blow up and, and that was okay too? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's essentially when you choose a business partner, you're choosing a, a to get into a marriage yeah and it's more <laughs> it 
I don't know how to describe it, but like you really have to have full trust in that person, Mm -hmm. but primarily it's communication. And something that we understood is or from the get-go is that we could speak to each other very honestly and clearly and she's taught me how to be more objective in delivering opinions sometimes versus being more um, emotional or subjective perhaps Mm -hmm. but I think we both from how we went through school together we realized that we worked really well together Mm -hmm. and our our friendship was just so natural that we knew that we would have, you know, ebbs and flows of, of disagreements or being capable of carrying a certain workload while the other person would pick up. Mm-hmm. So we just, yeah, we just kind of knew like, you know what, let's run at this together and see where we can take it. Mm-hmm. And um, when there's been conflict or disagreement between us, we essentially take space like any relationship like okay I disagree with you I'm going to give myself a moment yeah maybe a couple days and then I'll get back to this thought Mm -hmm. and we can pick up and take it from there and grow from there so um but it's interesting how many people try to uh influence you and say watch out like don't get Mm -hmm. into a partnership yeah you should do it all yourself because it might blow up in your face and Mm -hmm. all of that but I I feel like perhaps um those those folks just didn't find the right partner to build with yeah I I I, I agree with you on that and I appreciate you you know sharing your experience because it's certainly something that I'm interested in in the future and I feel that I would rather have a partner um, not only uh, to just to have those different dynamics and to deal with some of the things that maybe are not your strengths or you just don't want to deal with, but maybe they love doing. Um, plus, um, just like like time away, like hi, like right. I can I can go away while you you know man the fort, and then we can you know switch it up. I I like that idea instead of really feeling like you're the only person that can hold up the the business but if it's run properly you know as it sounds like it it has like your therapists are more than capable to be present and run the business you know without any micromanaging as well and i i'm fortunate to be in a in a space that that allows that um but yeah i appreciate uh the information because it's uh it's amazing yeah how many like you said people try to oh don't go into business with your friends like this is a bad idea um and, uh, and like you said, it's just about communication. Uh, it is a marriage that like, yeah, you can have a bad day, but it doesn't mean like you collapse the business over yep. it either. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think a lot of people just want their own, they want to kind of be the one on the, the pedestal or they want their name like in lights, you know, like it's without, without the, the like the side, you know, like, like the other person, some people just would, would just need to be in the spotlight and not absolutely. share it. And that's like absolutely fine for for, mm-hmm. for them, right? Yeah. Um I think for me a lot of my um managerial roles or my idea of leadership did get shaped by being in musical groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am a very like I've said, fairly bullish person where when I make a decision, I I I forge forward with it. Mm-hmm. Um it's not 
easy for my family and friends and partner to take at times. So mm -hmm. I'm learning to soften and be <laughs> a lot more flexible with, with other people's lives, right? Because you are you are intertwining not only your potential business partner, but their family if they have children. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody that uh, is is in their court as well is going to have an opinion of, of how they should operate. And mm -hmm. that's just the human way like we like to try to influence each other we like to live through each other and mm -hmm. and then that's just that's human but I mean for me it was essential to to always be a pack animal like that's mm -hmm. who I am and if my um if if my people aren't happy then what am I doing I have to reevaluate mm -hmm. my intentions but I think also having um, an activist portion to who I am and not always, sorry, giant bug just flew on me. <laughs> oh, Costa Rica, but having, um, an activist, uh, upbringing too, and, and really making ethical decisions, um, keeping an open mind, really appreciating and valuing the cultures that I've benefited from, and mm -hmm. you know, really hope to give back to in, in more productive ways down the line. But, um, that's just it. Like you can't be it for yourself when you're trying to build something that is patient centered mm -hmm. and where you want to have a very ethical clinical space. But it's just, for me, it's never been financially driven. Like I said before, it's, it's really about sharing an ethical workspace with people that you just want to see thrive. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Can we segue into that? Um, I, I find that you speak very lovingly about your clinic. Um, and I think that that's like just the language that you use is really important and separates you from other, other clinics or, or, and, and, um, and like massage therapy, um, studios. Um, can you describe a little bit more about what an inclusive space and an ethical space looks like? It sounds like that's very important to you. You'd already mentioned it. And then it is on very clear on the website as well. Um, so yeah, can you explain a little bit about what that looks like and why it is important to you? Absolutely. Um, I'm a non-binary person and I came into my identity actually later in life. I think a lot of folks are questioning, or not a lot, but I mean, many of us are questioning for a while and we just kind of gravitate towards like-minded people until you finally settle into knowing who you are. Um, but again, coming from an activist intended background. Um, there has always been this focus on making sure that we've been especially a queer friendly place, but how do I say it? Like, I, I feel as if my patience over the years helped shape me into deciding mm -hmm. how to, how to generate this kind of space. So our ethical space looks like we are transparent with mm -hmm. our practitioners about our finances to a certain point. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't want them to uh, worry or take on any of our burden as well, but we, we provide everything we possibly can to help our practitioners um, take care of their patients. Mm -hmm. We absolutely would never discriminate in our hiring practices. Um, we we don't, um, that's a good question. For me, it's just so natural. It's like, hey, right. everybody, 
come on in. Yeah. Um, but no, we do, we do have a lot of um, queer practitioners as well. And uh, people seem to uh, flesh that out and understand like I'm more comfortable um, seeing a member of my community versus someone who might not understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when it comes to trans and non-binary health uh, care as well, there's a lot of discrimination that people face there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, members of the BIPOC community as well uh, mm-hmm. necessarily don't feel trusting of entering spaces that don't have practitioners that reflect their their cultures as well and right. um, knowing and understanding. So it's it's important that um, once again we just don't discriminate in our hiring, which mm-hmm. we never have. And unfortunately, we're at a position right now because of COVID where we're not able to be as generous in our financial giving to mm-hmm. organizations. But my ultimate goal for my my massage therapy practice is to be in a position where I'm offering community rates always. Right. Um, and that stemmed from wanting to take care of musicians and artists and folks who really can't afford care, Mm -hmm. but we, we do offer total flexibility to our practitioners. If they feel they want to provide a sliding scale, if they want to take care of, um, someone that can't provide or that can't pay for services, then Mm -hmm. it's like, okay if there's a room open, you can take it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, it's more important that um, people just know that we're a safe space and mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's it. We're yeah. a safe space. Yeah. And, and it, and it obviously, I mean, it is important to you. It obviously was created very naturally. As you said, it's hard to define because it's just who you are and it's the people you attract and the, and the patients that you've attracted as well, that it's just like created itself as an inclusive and safe space. Um, and with, um, with you describing it, I mean, also on the website, it, it's very clear that like, it's inclusive, it's safe. Can you um, speak a little bit about your experience as a trauma informed practitioner? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm someone who's very open with my own um, mental health profile. And as I mentioned, I lived with chronic pain as a child into my teenage years. And it wasn't until I think in my late 20s, where I could say I finally successfully moved out of um, being symptomatic daily. And I'm also someone who does manage, um, you know, some fairly challenging mental health issues. Um, And for me, it's it's lived experience versus mm-hmm. something read. But when I, I don't, and I don't mean to um, discount other people who haven't had trauma filled lives where they right. don't get to um, share their empathy in a, mm-hmm. in a way that's helpful for others. But um, I think anyone can truly learn and understand a trauma picture um, without living it. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was always, this concept of contribute and not harm. So that was a lived experience for me where once again, I'd be seeing different practitioners for my own pain management or uh, stress management. And I'd find that there was too much 
direction or maybe uh, a language that was actually more nocebo based. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like the mental health or the mental illness profile that I manage is actually a superpower for me to make sure that I use the right language for other other patients and and just help uh, people feel understood. And I mean, it's it's interesting to like border on our scope of practice and yeah. to not overshare your life, to not um, create that transference mm-hmm. and or counter transference in that way. And yeah, it's it's a it's a slippery slope if if you're not cautious, but. I think it's more beneficial to certain patients to understand Mm -hmm. that you understand Mm -hmm. so they can build that trust with you. Uh, For me, the trauma-informed approach is really much language-based, understanding certain things that are out of scope without delivering them as a um, operator. And... um, just continuing to stay open to other people's experiences and really listening Mm -hmm. and taking note of, of body language, uh, you know, verbal language that someone is bringing into the room with you Mm -hmm. and also being really good at setting boundaries with people. Mm -hmm. If they're starting to um, maybe become extremely emotional, if you can, uh, help someone navigate their grief, for example, or if they're having a episode, a mental health episode in the room with you. Um, I think there is a way of being really soothing without um, making someone feel uncomfortable or embarrassed or yeah. ashamed of what they're going through. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't separate the nervous system from brain and body, right? Mm-hmm. So the experience uh, needs to be managed however you can. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any starting points or a book that you would recommend for massage therapists that, that may be helpful? I would say Lorimer Mosley out of, uh, he's a neuroscience, um, or sorry, neuroscientist uh, in Australia. I'm forgetting the name of the institution that he works for, but he he really helped open up my eyes to uh, the pain experience and I think more so how to explain, well, explain pain is his, um, one of his main texts, but I think he's a really good person to check in with or to follow because he's, he's just objective. And, um, Gabor Mate is another yeah. excellent doctor that I think many, many folks are already aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think his way of describing pain through an emotional experience is really helpful. Mm-hmm. And I, I think those two would be the primary ones I would start with. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Why the saxophone? Oh, because um, it's great. It's great. <laughs> No, I I started out playing uh, clarinet when I was uh, about eight or so, and just always kind of feeling like a strange kid wanting to find more interesting instruments to play. I moved myself through the uh, woodwind family, so flute and oboe, and I ended up on bass clarinet, which was very cool, and no one played it. Um, 
And then at some point when I was in high school, both my parents were high school music teachers as mm-hmm. well. So I, I was very lucky. I could kind of uh, access more instruments than most kids. And um, just remember helping out my mom clean up her music room at the end of the year, just before summer. And I saw this giant case sitting in the corner of her room. And I was like, what is that? She goes, well, if you can carry it around the room, that means you, you're strong enough to play it. Okay. So I took a lap, lap of the treatment room and then I opened it up and it was this giant saxophone. Yeah. And um, I, I think for me, the, the range of it, the timbre of it, it's so soothing. And my natural speaking voice is fairly low. Mm-hmm. So it felt like an extension of my own voice. Um, but also at that time, I was managing um, a pretty significant depression as a teenager. And um, I'm no stranger to say that I have navigated a lot of anger issues as well mm-hmm. as a part of my mental profile. So to play this giant saxophone and to be able to produce that much air is almost just like yelling, right. but yelling and releasing a lot of um pain in a way that was beautiful (laughs) not initially because I'm sure it didn't really sound that great but um for me still it's it's like the ultimate breathing exercise Mm -hmm. where if I go back to a a smaller wind instrument now it's fun but when I when I play my my baritone I just feel like I'm moving all of the air out of my body and Mm -hmm. producing something that I think sounds pretty nice yeah that's lovely yeah so when I get to play these um I mean we didn't really touch too much on on like the professional musician side too too much but just going back to that question Mm -hmm. you asked about the balance of it so for me an ideal pre-covid life would be I would be on tour or playing gigs maybe like half of the month kind of thing. And then I would do two or three treatment days a week at the clinic or now clinics. And if I knew I had a longer tour coming up or some, you know, a string of dates, then I would double down on my clinical time. Um, Something that I absolutely love is the high season switch for both professions where summer is high season for weddings and touring and festivals Mm -hmm. where winter is high season for massage therapy so there's always um there's always a way to stay busy Mm -hmm. uh and then with with playing with our cows if we were traveling um or oftentimes we'll have these gigs where we fly in the day before and then you know, sound check, play the gig and then fly out the next day. So those are like really great admin weekends for me where I might be at the airport for three hours on my laptop, yeah. getting through the list of things that I need to do. And then I'll message Aaron and say, okay, I'm on the flight for the next six hours, you know, watch yeah. the email kind of thing. I'm offline. Um, and then it essentially feels like a split shift with music where you have an early afternoon, few hours of sound check or maybe rehearsal on stage. Mm-hmm. And then you have four or five hours of downtime before the gig. So mm-hmm. it balances really well where I'll get a lot of admin work done yeah. at that point and then sleep on the flight on the way back and go back to the clinic the next day and, and feel energized by having this more extroverted part of my personality where, you know, I'm, I'm social with my band 
roommates and there's a lot of awesome people to perform to. And then I get to come back home and be my more introverted personality part where I get to, you know, take care of other people and have that one-on-one contact. Yeah. I love that. Um, it, it sounds, you know, like you used the words energized and balanced and that's exactly like the way that you're describing it. It, it doesn't sound like it's draining you, you know, maybe somebody might hear your schedule and they'll be like, Oh, like, how do you do it? But I mean, it sounds like you've, you've hit that perfect balance where you do feel energized. It's serving like the extrovert that that's inside you and the end and the connector as well. And I think that that that's really important. And, and again, part of the podcast is just that I really hope that people embrace both of those sides because there are a lot of massage therapists who eat, sleep and breathe massage and, and they're very, they love it. They're passionate about it, but some of them get to the, get to that point in their career where they're, they, they burn out, they're done, they get bored there. Yep. And I think it's because they've, they've lacked this like appreciating this other part of their life that they could, they could have found that, that energy and that, that creativity or that fun as well. Well, I I completely agree with you. And I think um, this opportunity for me to uh, step away, I mean, the pandemic has really been exhausting for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, In like, September of 2020, we opened our second location. Mm-hmm. So we we opened a pandemic business. And the last year of trying to grow that business and, and survive being a brand new touch therapy clinic mm-hmm. in a neighborhood that's, you know, fairly under-resourced for that as well. Um, I knew that at a certain point, I would need to shift gears and treat less to be able to contribute more to the building part um and then without music for the like almost two years now I mean I've been very fortunate to have a few gigs and get to do some pretty incredible things with the people Mm -hmm. I work with but without music there hasn't been that like release so I think for me um I mean I I'm I'm pretty consistent with how I try to manage my own self-care and um I've I've gone through burnout episodes in my life where I didn't necessarily see it coming. So I just forged on. Right. And I didn't think I was close to a burnout per se, but I knew that I was starting to kind of, my passion was dwindling for, for what I was doing. And I was starting to feel more physically symptomatic. Mm -hmm. So I'm someone who gets migraines or, Um, minor bouts of insomnia and when you don't take care of yourself properly Mm. your your treatments are not as great right and then you're just not being the person that you intend to be professionally yeah so I think over the last year of the uphill climb um, I came to recognize that I can't get a break in traveling, which I love to do. So I'm just going to take this opportunity to duck out for a bit. But yeah, I think the balance is really lost on a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And because we love to make people feel good, and there's this reciprocal um, healing portion that happens for massage therapists or anyone who's in touch therapy. It's like, if you're not um, creating a positive connection with other people, then you feel tired too. Mm -hmm. But there's that delicate balance of giving, giving too much of yourself to another person. And 
not having a way to blow off steam. Yeah. So. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Well, I do want to respect your time. Um, and I really, I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to, to add to the conversation? Was there anything that, that we missed? Well, I think essentially like the, the basis of, of your platform is awesome. You're you. promoting, uh, people who are professional, but yet live their lives and try to thrive in different environments. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, my ultimate goal is to uh, continue to offer really ethical treatment spaces for practitioners, um, but also to step back a little bit more from the hands-on and perhaps uh, do some more traveling myself. Um, I love the marriage of of passive work, let's say, where you bust your tail for a while and then kind of live off of, you know, your, your little means that you generate. So I'm, I'm happy living out of a van still. Mm -hmm. And for me, my, my goal here is to uh, just experience, explore. And, you know, when work opportunities do come up in other places or other countries, I will hop on that. If um, there's a way for me to bring origin wellness to other towns or clinics with the, or sorry, uh, other cities or countries even with the um, mission statement that we have, then I'd love to help other practitioners feel at home in their, Mm -hmm. in their clinic. So I'm kind of going to take a bit of a latent period right now and just uh, enjoy my quiet time and let all these ideas stew. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you again for sharing your time and uh, enjoy, enjoy the view there. Thank you. Well, it was really nice meeting you and I appreciate what you do. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Radical RMT with Yvonne Moyer. You can find links and show notes for this episode at theradicalrmt.com. If you enjoyed this episode and found something valuable, please share your review on Apple Podcasts. You can also take a screenshot and post it on Instagram. Tag at theradicalrmt to help more Radical RMTs find the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have an awesome day.